The following reading is from the Annals of American History, Volume 15, page 229. During the Depression, the population flow from the country to the city was temporarily reversed. A back-to-the-land movement was officially sanctioned, and a $25 million appropriation for the establishment of self-sustaining homestead communities was written into the National Industrial Recovery Act. The movement had a strong advocate and pioneer in Ralph Borsodi, who in the 1920s had left the city with his family and later served as an advisor to a homestead community in Dayton, Ohio. Borsodi's experiments in rural living were recorded in his book, Flight from the City, 1933. A portion of chapter one is as follows. We finally bought a place located about an hour and three quarters from the city. It included a small frame house, one and a half stories high, containing not a single modern improvement. There was no plumbing, no running water, no gas, no electricity, no steam heat. There was an old barn and a chicken house and a little over seven acres of land. There was a little fruit in the orchard, some apples, cherries, plums, but of the apples, at least there were plenty. Yet seven acres, as we called the place, was large enough for our initial experiment. We began the experiment with three principal assets, courage, foolhardiness, and a vision. But we had plenty of liabilities. We had little capital and only a modest salary. We knew nothing about raising vegetables, fruit, and poultry. All these things we had to learn. While I was a handyman, I had hardly ever had occasion to use a hammer and a saw. A man working in an office rarely does. And yet, if our experiment was to succeed, it required that I should make myself a master of all trades. We cut ourselves off from the city comforts to which we had become so accustomed. Discomforts were plentiful in the beginning. The hardships of those early years are now fading into a romantic haze, but they were real enough at the time. A family starting with our handicaps had to expect them. But almost from the beginning, there were compensations for our discomfort. Before the end of our first year, the year of the Depression of 1921, when millions were tramping the streets of our cities looking for work, we began to enjoy the feeling of plenty. We cut our hay, gathered our fruits, made gallons and gallons of cider. We had a cow and produced our own milk and butter, but finally gave her up. By furnishing us with 20 quarts of milk a day, she threatened to put us into the dairy business. So we changed to a pair of blooded Swiss goats. We equipped a poultry yard and had eggs and chickens. We ended the year with plenty, not only for our own needs, but for a generous hospitality to our friends, some of whom were out of work. A hospitality which, unlike city hospitality, did not involve purchasing everything we served to our guests. To these things, which we produced in our first year, we have since added ducks, guineas, turkeys, bees for honey, pigeons for appearance, and dogs for company. In certain important respects, our experiment was very different from the ordinary back-to-the-land adventure. We quickly abandoned all efforts to raise anything to sell. After the year during which we raised some poultry for the market, this became an invariable principle. We produced only for our own consumption. If we found it difficult to consume or give away any surplus, we cut down our production of that particular thing and devoted the time to producing something else, which we were then buying. We used machinery wherever we could and tried to apply the most approved scientific methods to small-scale production. 
We acted on the theory that there was always some way of doing what we wanted to do, if only we sought long enough for the necessary information. What are the social, economic, political, and philosophical implications of such a type of living? What would be the consequence of a widespread transference of production from factories to home? Food is our most important industry. A war of attrition such as we have been carrying on all alone, if extended on a large enough scale, would put the food industry out of its misery. For miserable, it certainly is. And in addition, reduce proportionately the congestion, adulteration, unemployment, and unpleasant odors to all of which the food industry contributes liberally. If enough families were to make their homes economically productive, the textile and clothing industries with their low wages, seasonal unemployment, cheap and shoddy products would shrink. If enough families were to make their homes economically productive, undesirable and non-essential factories of all sorts would disappear, and only those which would be desirable and essential would remain to furnish employment to those who prefer work in factories. Domestic production, if enough people turned to it, would not only annihilate the undesirable and non-essential factory, it would do more. It would release men and women from their present thraldom to the factory and make them masters of machines instead of servants to them. It would free them for the conquest of comfort, beauty, and understanding. All right, I'm gonna get back into answering one of your questions or comments per video tonight. I felt really compelled to share the last two videos with you. The last one was about recession and this one was obviously about depression. Both of these economic instances were really what pushed me into pursuing farming and creating a bit of a hedge for myself in what I'm doing right now. Which brings me to the comment that I'm going to address from the last video and it is from Blackbeard. He says, I do not disagree with her sentiments on normal boom bust cycles. Lots of people come back better after a recession, but I'm not sure what's coming on the horizon is a normal downturn. I think we are witnessing a transition into different monetary, economic, and political system. We are going to see hyperinflation or stagflation, etc., etc. And I guess the best way to address that comment is what would you do differently? For me personally, I wouldn't do anything differently. What I'm doing right now with my sheep farm is a way that I'm hedging wealth. It's a way that I'm creating a food system for my local community. It's a way that I'm creating food security for my family on a very close level. And so I think the most important thing to remember here is that really to be prepared insofar as we are able to be prepared simply requires us getting our house in order, getting some of the fundamentals laid. And I'm just going to open it up to the comment section to take it from there. If there's any way that we ought to be behaving ourselves or preparing in a more in-depth level, let me know. Thanks guys for watching this video and I look forward to seeing you in the next one.